Today on the pod, we have Serena Chande. She's a freelance copywriter and a former SEO editor at the Mirror and Daily Star. And if the name sounds familiar, it's because Hannah Smith gave her a wonderful shout out in episode 49. Check it out. Little cheeky plug there. Um, Serena <laughs> wrote an article for BuzzStream titled The Art of Writing Subject Lines That Journalists Will Love. And that really piqued Jacqueline and I's interest. We're lucky to have her on today because we've not really deeply explored the topic of subject lines yet. And if that's your bag, listeners, that's what we're going to be chatting about today. And Serena has all the tips. She said she could talk about it for days. So we are eager to listen. And as a former journalist, Serena, that's kind of what you were basically at the Mirror and Daily Star, right? Yeah. So An SEO editor. Yeah, SEO editor. I've did journalism at university. I've like had a passion for it since I was young, and I was yeah on publications from basically the month after I graduated until yeah this year. <laughs> you are uniquely positioned to write on this topic then, because um, yeah, you know what it's like to be on the receiving end. And welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. No, I'm so happy to be on. And I've listened to your podcast before, um, not just Hannah Smith's episode, which was also. Oh. <laughs> but no, yeah, you guys are great. So it's lovely to be on. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's caveat, you know, all of this whole conversation with the fact that there's not a one size fits all approach to writing subject lines. But um, as you mentioned that in your article too, Serena, I believe. Um, we're all on the same page there, but there are multiple aspects that could help your subject line stand out to a journalist. You have, you highlighted three in your article, relevancy, uh, personalization, and clarity. Let's start there. Do you want to kind of go into relevancy real fast and your tips related to that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I always harp on about having been a journalist before is that journalists are extremely time poor and it's not a woe is me situation but it's just the fact that from the minute we log on um, we're sort of bombarded with tasks like building a news list building like um, news list for the main news conference and for our own section or our desk so when I was on the SEO desk it was you know making sure all our writers had stories to get going with um, and why relevancy is important is because we get so, so many press releases in a day. Like within the first hour of the morning, I'll have probably received 50. And I'm not currently writing for any publications anymore, but I'm still getting tons of press releases to my inbox, um, my freelance inbox. And what oh, I know, yeah, it's, it's nonstop. So the main thing I notice even still, despite I think digital PRs having learned so much over the years and stuff, is that... <clears throat> I'm still getting so many misguided pitches. And when I was an SEO editor, I received so many. So it's frustrating because it clogs up our inbox and we potentially miss some really good pitches. But it's also frustrating because it just shows that you haven't done the research. And I know that also there's pressure on digital PRs because I've been one myself to make sure that, you know, you get as much coverage as possible. But I really think you could enhance that by just making sure that you're doing research in terms of the desk and what they cover. So I've previously done articles on a topic, but it's only because it's in the news cycle. Yet 
I get emails today and it's like, oh, we saw that you wrote about top 10 tips to stay to avoid alcohol in dry January. And I'll get tips, I'll get emails today and they'll say, oh, we've seen you've written about alcohol before. Would you like to um, write about the this new gin that this brand has launched? And I'm like, you're, you absolutely haven't looked into anything I've written before properly because you've just seen alcohol and dry January and thought, okay, I write about alcohol, but... <laughs> If you go deeper into my author profile, by literally clicking on my name and looking at any other story, you'll see that that's not the area that I cover. So relevancy is super important. And I don't mean going as far as saying, oh, you write for this publication, so you're going to cover this, this, this. But it's more like, is it something that the section's written about before? Is it something we're likely to cover? And is it a story that's going to be interesting to our readers? Um, So that's where I'd start with that. Right. Okay. So once you have a keyword that you're looking for journalists to pitch to, make sure you go a bit deeper. Yes. That, you know, they're writing extensively about that topic and not just tangentially, or maybe because you don't happen to appear. Sometimes we'll have such a random one off topic that we get asked about, you know, like whether it's a celebrity or whether it's um, a topic that, you know, is trending at the time. That doesn't mean I'm going to write about it forever. And also just, you know, look a bit deeper than the spray and pray approach that from things like Volcana and that, like, so the databases with the journalists, mm-hmm. um, names and emails and areas they cover in, like, go a bit deeper than that. Yeah, you can do that as a starting point. And that's something I absolutely did as digital PR. I'd be like, oh, I want to contact lifestyle PRs. But then I'd go through and look at their author profiles or I'd go through and double check that their publications would yeah. actually cover a topic of that nature so that's something I found quite important yeah agreed and in here in the U.S. it's decision and another thing that we've talked about in the past um, is to look at maybe Muckrook recent articles that they've published there is a good place kind of seeing their feed especially if they contribute to multiple multiple publications absolutely Um, all right that all makes sense, Serena. Let's, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, I'm really curious to talk about personalizing subject lines. Absolutely. I am too. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jacqueline, it sounds like it. you have some questions, but I mean, in the BuzzStream article, you said that you had never personalized or you, yeah, you never personalized every single subject line to the journalist and publications. However, your angles are personalized to agree, to a degree getting ahead of myself because I'm so excited <laughs> of, to ask you about this. Can you explain what you mean by that, Serena? Yeah, so um, I think a good angle will mean that you don't need to publish, uh, publicize? Pub- oh my God, I forgot how Personalize? to <laughs> Personalize every single um, subject line because you know that you've got a good filtered relevant list of journalists that you're going to. So you know it's a story or an angle that they're likely to cover. Um, Mm -hmm. It's nice, obviously, if you've got like something really niche that you think would be perfect for a specific journalist or a specific selection of journalists. But what we would do is there's no point. We, when I was at Verve Search, a digital PR agency in the UK, um, we would do these huge campaigns with loads and loads of data. So it would, for example, be like the most dangerous roads in the UK. And you can definitely be like, okay, hi, Sarah, or like exclusive for the Express or whatever. But 
when you've got data that you think is going to hit a bunch of different nationals in the UK, like I could go to the Mirror with that information, I could go to, I don't know, the Guardian, I could go to the Times, I could go to so many different national top tier publications in the UK, and they would all find an interesting angle in it, hopefully. Um, so when I said you don't need to personalise every single one, it's because you know that you've honed down the right story and you've got a story that's strong enough to be covered. And if you're feeling like your story needs extra bolstering in the form of like really pushing for a certain journalist and making them think that, you know, you've only gone to them or whatever, maybe you need to go back to your data or you need to go back to your story and strengthen that rather than thinking, you know, trying to be too clever with tactics because, even at my busiest points, if I was scrolling through my inbox, I wouldn't be looking for someone who said exclusively for the mirror or for Serena. I would be looking for someone who had a great story that I know was going to get thousands of clicks because that's what I get measured on. You can personalize it as much as you want. You can, you know, go into so much detail about how you love what we write, how you love my section, how you love the stories. It's not going to make a difference because I'm not going to publish it just because of that. I'm going to publish it when I know it's going to do really, really well and make my editors happy and stop them from breathing down my neck when I'm not hitting page view targets. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it sounds like instead of focusing on personalizing the subject line, um, you're suggesting people to focus more on what is that headline going to be that snappy headline that's going to be um not like you know clickbaity but it's going to capture the attention of the journalist first and foremost and make for a really good headline they can exactly exactly cool love that yeah Jacqueline do you have any other questions about personalization no I just I wanted to I'm glad that you mentioned that because um I've I've heard people in the past be like oh I always put the the journalist's name in the subject line and it increases the odds of being read. And I always thought that was kind of, I mean, it could help, but I always thought that story topic was most important. So it's nice to hear it from somebody who received pitches so that they can confirm that. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone has such different views in the industry on like what works and what doesn't. And we love those hot take threads on Twitter and stuff about like, here's exactly how to get journalists to open your emails. And of course, like my view on personalization might alter completely from another journalist that I worked with in the past or from anyone in the industry. But I do think fundamentally knowing how much pressure we're all under in terms of time and deadlines and Mm -hmm. age views that you could have like, the nicest thing and you could have you know hey again Serena you know we could have a relationship but I've had really good friends who were PRs when I was working in journalism who've been like hey you know I've got this story would you be able to cover it and I was like you know I would love to help you and if I could I would but I don't think this is going to get the clicks that we need so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah makes sense all right so clarity um gosh one of the hardest things for me is just keeping that headline, especially if it's a headline that I'm trying to, you know, come up with for the subject line, straight and to the point. What, um, you know, story angles are most relevant, and then how am I going to succinctly put it into, I don't know, like a five-word max headline. Um, I loved your example subject lines for what not to write and how you would amend the subject line in the bus dream post highly recommend our listeners to read that and especially that section for clarity 
Can you briefly explain what those examples were? Or do you want to go into any of those in particular? I think it leads on really nicely from like the personalization element and the relevancy element in that leave the click. The main thing I would say is leave the clickbait to us. I think I can't mm-hmm. remember. I haven't looked at that article in a little while. Um, but I think I remember, you know, giving an example of a really clickbaity um, headline of like revealed the most dangerous road in Britain has however many accidents a year or whatever. And that's great for when we're showing it to our readers, but it goes back to the time thing where we have so little time that if you're going to be like study reveals, you know, amazing, like the best places in the world to eat, that's great. But I want to know what the best place is. I want to know what country came up top, because if it's going to be like, say I'm a London focused publication, like Time Out London or something. If the answer was like, I don't know, some random country, it's going to be less relevant to our readers because they're not going to have that same pool. That was a bad example because Time Out London love, you know, a best place in the world to eat. But say it's like the most dangerous road in the world revealed, it's going to be less exciting to to my region's readers or to my area's readers and I'm not going to have the time I'm then going to have to waste my time going into that email seeing that the topic isn't or the the result isn't as relevant to my readers and it'll go straight in the bin because I know it's not going to get the clicks that I want it to get so leave the clickbait to us um, and also make sure that you know you've done so much work behind the scenes for these studies for these expert tips you know it takes time for digital prs to do this stuff don't waste it by going out with a wishy-washy subject line that's hiding potentially some of your best data take the time to even if you need to go out a few days later with this outreach than you'd initially planned it's so much more worthwhile going through the information making sure you've actually got the ultimate thing at the top the you know the angle that you're going to be most proud of and if that doesn't work obviously spend a few days rather than rushing out with your follow-ups because they're golden take -hmm. a bit more time to look over the data and make sure that you know you actually did get the best angle or you got the best expert tip outlined or whatever um and when it comes to expert tips you know make sure that you've really outlined what this person brings to the table have they got any qualifications have they are they an author have they been you know a specialist or like the world's first blah 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 to do xyz um so really make sure you're signposting those bits in the subject line i would say for clarity I, you have a list in this article on words that can be interchanged uh when you're kind of informing the journalist what sort of information they're receiving in the subject yeah. line yeah yeah and you mentioned experts um and putting that in parentheses first and then um you know explaining what that expert is going to be giving advice on right in the subject line uh gives that journalist a nod that they're actually hearing from an expert on the topic not just someone who's giving advice um if it's data you know just explicitly saying that in the intro always helps in my opinion because what journalist doesn't want new data and if it's proprietary even better and I mean one of those words in here is quiz gosh I haven't promoted 
a quiz in forever. <laughs> I'm afraid of promoting them, to be honest. Yeah. But hey, if a journalist writes them. about quizzes, they're going to be way more inclined to open it if they like, see a quiz in the subject line. They honestly <laughs> used to be so popular at one point. Like, we right? knew our golden campaign type would be like, spot the blah, blah. And then we'd have a study to go alongside, not a study, but data to go alongside it to be like, you know, we would send it out in a survey to like a thousand adults in the UK and it would have different attributes and stuff, but it would always do so well. And you'd always be so jealous of the person who got to outreach that because you knew they'd absolutely nail links galore all over the publication. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was the dream, dream era. I don't know what yeah. they're like now. I don't, I, I haven't kept up with it, but yeah, if people are still covering that great news. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear from them on the podcast. (laughs) Please reach out. (laughs) I want tips. (laughs) No, it's been a long time since I had to promote one of those. But yeah, I remember when they were very, like, very, very, very catchy and fun to work with. Yeah, Those were the days. All right. So yeah, definitely recommend listeners to check out that list. And I mean, that helped me just give me some inspiration when you're a digital PR you know, crafting subject lines day in and day out. This it has was, been a super helpful article. It was one of my old um, colleagues who actually told me that technique. And I really genuinely feel like I started seeing much better results after adding that to my outreach. And so from after he told me that, I would always, always include it. I'd be like, oh, study or like data or images or video or whatever and yeah it just it really really does make a difference so absolutely uh what else about this another thing you have three steps in this article um that you say you always suggest when structuring a solid subject line um we can go into those but I I know you mentioned that it's been a while since you've read the story you probably know them off the top of your head but um do you want to go into that Serena yes if you could refresh me yeah of Um, course the first the first step is um informing the journalist of what sort of information they are receiving we actually covered that with um the list of you know mentioning right at the top if it's data if it's a quiz mm -hmm. if it's a gallery and images whatever it may be um you might not have any more to add on that we pretty we did cover that pretty extensively but um we can skip to identifying the story if you'd like that's step two all right identifying the story so what it would be is this is I guess I've talked like touched on it already but it's so easy to think that or to build a campaign with an end angle uh, in mind and we go we've gone through this so many times like when I was a digital PR where it's like oh this one's absolutely gonna fly because hopefully the results are gonna show that you know one that stuck out the next James Bond is gonna be you know everyone wants the next James Bond to be female and it's gonna be amazing and then we released the campaign sent it out to everyone and one publication covered that angle and we were like oh my god like what do we do so that's always tricky or you know like you'll you'll think you've got this really shocking statistic and actually journalists are covering so much every day that they're like oh yeah I guess that's a bit odd but that's not going to be enough to get the view count um so what I sort of suggest is 
going over the data with someone who hasn't or going over the campaign with someone who has had no contact with it. I know if you're a freelancer, this is tricky, but maybe speak to a friend um, or like, you know, anyone that you have around you. It could be your parent because I've talked to my mum about like campaigns before. (laughs) I've been like, oh, we've just come out with this. Like, do you think this is interesting? Do you think that's interesting? And just run through it with them. Or at Verve, we also had a data analyst or like data researcher and I am hopeless with a spreadsheet full of numbers terrifying um that's why I went into words rather than numbers but I would sit down with him and I'd be like can you please just talk like talk me through the, all of this data and then I can start and we sort of segment it down a bit and then I'd start picking out other interesting bits of data and I'd be like oh actually and I'd force myself to find four or five different things minimum aside from the main angle that we were hoping to go out with. And I think that really helped because it was like, okay, no, actually, there's far more of a story here because I've dug a bit deeper. And actually, this is going to surprise people more. When it comes to expert tips, it's like quite tricky because you're you're trying to tell this journalist, you've got an amazing expert who's got 10 brilliant tips and you've got to pick out the one that's going to catch their eye. Um And again, with that one, I think follow-ups is an absolute gem because if the first one didn't work, you can just change the subject line for the second one and, you know, point out another one. So um, expert reveals um, 10 tips for keeping your house warm in winter without costing um, you more than £20 a month and including X, Y, Z. And then that would flop and then you'd send it out again, but actually look at a more... You, you have time to think about it or you've spoken to someone else about it and they've been like no actually this is really weird or this is really interesting why don't you include that as an example so I think it really just helps to run over it yourself mull over it for a few days rather than rushing your, your topic out or your emails out um, and also go through it with other people and that can be a really helpful way to identify your story. Serena, do you think that there could be too many stories to work with in a single campaign? What's your there opinion can on that? Be, um, and that's when you know you haven't honed in on your, like, for example, if it's, I keep giving data campaign examples because we did loads of them. But that's, so say we'd send out a survey and we'd hope for one angle and then a ton of angles came from it and none of them were particularly strong. That's when you know you need to hone in on, like, the questions a little bit more and narrow them down a bit more and give stricter parameters and stuff and I gradually got really good at that but initially I'd be so deflated and I'd be like oh no like we've cost the company this much money and actually the answers that came back are so like dry and boring and whatever but or like sometimes you can just realize that maybe it's a bit of a non-story because nothing that came back there's so many things that came back that actually is this surprising to a journalist is this going to be interesting enough for thousands Mm -hmm. of people to click on it so yeah I definitely think you can get a bit diluted for me sometimes I'm worried I worry that I might pitch a certain angle to a journalist and I highlight that in the uh, email I bullet points the angle or the you know data points the survey Mm -hmm. stats or the actual stats from the data report that are most relevant to the journalist and what they write about. Um, I'm worried that the journalist will click through and then be completely overwhelmed with what they see because maybe the topic or the title of the article or the report is more focused on another, um, you know, say it's a state by state report 
it's focused on another state or it's focused on a different vertical or I guess topic in that vertical. Um, but yeah, I might be just, you know, overanalyzing that process. I don't think you are, but one thing that instantly comes to mind from what you're saying, and I know we're focusing more on subject lines, but another thing I've talked about before is like how to format your outreach emails, like the body copy. And I don't know, I'm sure you do this, but like one thing that I started doing was just having a really, really succinct intro line that was like, hi, blah, 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 blah. We recently conducted a study of 2,500 UK adults that revealed and the most bold stat like statistic or piece of information goes there and then it would go into we did this by xyz the study also found this and it's also revealed this but I've at least signposted the most important information in the first line so they don't have to go any further and they're not overwhelmed by like blocks and blocks of text. It's just a simple line and then, you know, going into other interesting things and then what else I'm Mm -hmm. going to provide them with, whether it's like full data, a report, um, imagery or whatever. And I think that sort of can help a journalist a lot. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, the journalist can, I'm assuming once they go to the report, they just do what I would do if I were a journalist, just control F and (laughs) find the keywords that relate to what they write about, whether it's like the location or the industry. Yeah. So that's good to know. Okay, cool. I feel a little bit relieved. (laughs) Um, But yeah, going back to the subject line, thank you for bringing me back to the topic. I am wondering, we've talked about the last step, I think. No, hold on, sorry. Oh, no, we haven't. Sprucing up your statistics. This is one we haven't really, (laughs) really, really gone deep into. Um, I know you mentioned, Serena, that you don't do math. Tell us your tips (laughs) then for sprucing up stats. (laughs) We also don't do math here. Honestly, it was it was so difficult for me. Like, it's actually embarrassing how bad I am with statistics and stuff. Um, <laughs> no, I'm probably worse. Trust me. That makes me feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would I would go to my colleagues or I'd, like, Google, like, you know, how, like, different percentages and stuff. It was so tragic. But basically, if you find that, I don't know, 40, 47% of people do xyz i used to write like oh 40 study reveals 47 percent of people do this and it was like okay great 47 percent is such a ugly random statistic so it'd be like almost half of adults in the uk do xyz and it's like okay well that sounds a lot better and then we go into like in the first line we'll say we surveyed 2500 adults in the uk so they know we don't mean we've surveyed the heart like the whole of Britain um but it's little things like that or one you know instead of I'm not about to expose how bad I am at maths right now but say it was like oh you know you got a study back and it was devastating like 25% uh, of people came back doing the thing that you'd hope like 90% of people would do you could just twist it by saying you know one in four UK adults do this or one in four UK um drivers do this 
And that makes it instantly more interesting, both to the journalists, because that's how that this is the work they're going to have to do anyway. They're going to have to spruce things up and make it more interesting for their readers. So by you doing that and by you taking that step, it shows that you understand what their readers are looking for, what their editors are looking for. And you know how to like, you know, save a campaign from deflating sort of like really dull results to okay, actually, this sounds more interesting now that we've got a number better than 25% in there. So yeah, I guess I hope that helps. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. Um, Something I had to learn too, and there are some uh, tricks of the trade. I mean, Google's really great for just getting that math done, um, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure chat GTP can help you with that these days. Now that I think about it, there's also just to give um, them a shout out. There's a, the JBH PR percentage calculator that I've relied on them in the oh. past. And we'll link to that in the show notes. We, I mean, we've all, I think, you know, one of my most popular searches when I was a digital PR was like, Percentage increase calculator, percentage decrease calculator. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Uh, that tool, I don't know if you've used it. It's so helpful. I haven't, but I love JBH anyway. But um, yeah, that is a genius move by them to have a little calculator nestled on their site because Lord knows we all need it. (laughs) I know, I'm probably like the number one visitor. Um, do <laughs> you think I'd remember these, you know, things, but they absolutely not. They oh my God. No, I do remember. St- <laughs> I remember it was a really boring afternoon in the office <laughs> and I turned around <laughs> to my colleague and I was like, I've actually started remembering percentage differences based on like the results <laughs> we get back from surveys. <laughs> hey, that's. Uh, that's handy okay <laughs> I would still second guess myself honestly I think I actually tweeted it because I was so proud <laughs> I think the kids these days say the math ain't mathin yeah that's me that's, that's my favorite it. phrase right now never does <laughs> gosh this calculator is awesome <laughs> right yeah give it a look it's very cool so if you've got I'll just explain it to the listener so they can be motivated to check it out. You basically go to this website, you type in a number. So let's say you have a stat that's like, I don't know, 63% of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, 63%? What is like, how can I really use that in a subject line to entice? Um, They'll give you options. And so 63% could be six and 10. Or it could be described as almost two thirds, which sounds significant. So this is a really nice way to spruce up your stats um, without you know doing the math yourself yeah I've just had a play on it and this is I don't know where this was in 2018 2019 when I really needed it but 37 percent like another really ugly stat and it's like almost yeah. two five amazing this is great I'm excited yeah. about this <laughs> it changed my world when I think I came across it on Twitter which I know it's a shithole these days, but sometimes you got to give credit where credit's due. (laughs) Um, I will say, don't, don't, uh, Britt, you're not a worry wart. I also think about whether journalists kind of get overwhelmed with all information I send. Um, But I've, um, I'm going through, well, Britt knows this, I guess you do not know this, but I'm doing a UX writing certification and one of the, uh, one of the terms that they've drilled into our brains is this idea of information hierarchy, but I think it helps with this, you know, 
like when you yeah. write an email, not putting the most important things first. Like kind of like what you said, they they can skim. The one what we're all I, doing anyway. Well, exactly. But the one thing I would add is that you know, especially if you're emailing like a politics desk or any any like even a news editor, they're gonna have to look into like government reports and stuff like that's something I had to look at a lot when I was an SEO editor because there was a lot of stuff happening with COVID. And I always had to read loads of like government reports or like I wrote about the highway code that we have in England and had to read really long, boring government documents. So, yeah, we're time poor, but we're used to reading like very long, like pieces of government information. So if you've got a fun angle or an interesting angle, I'm sure, you know, they're not looking at it as, oh, my God, this is awful, but more like, OK, this could help. And then if it's interesting enough and the topic's relevant enough to the readers, they'll be like, okay, this is worth reading through all the information for anyway. So yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I I always wonder just also as um, not related to subject lines, but on the topic of being an SEO editor, I've always wondered how your stories were determined um, or chosen for Mm, you or how you chose them. It was it was very hard, um, especially because we were a brand new desk and we were sort of learning as we went. But um, you sort of see what's on Google, Google Trends that day. You see what's trending at the moment. So within the past hour, you see what sort of topics have done well recently and see if there's anything happening there or if there's any questions that people are asking and questions that people are or bits of information that people are trying to find out whether it's like ages or like if there's UK breakfast TV stars it's like okay who's their husband or why weren't they on today like why wasn't this panelist on the morning show this morning or whatever and it would be molded oh. from there or like if there was a breaking news event we'd always try and build out search angles from there because if a celebrity dies you're going to want to know who they were married to you're going to want to know like what films yeah. they were in or like whatever so it there was just so many different things that you would try and keep on top of and it was you can you could literally carry up the my problem was and how I sort of got burnt out until I spoke to an editor he was like you could carry on building the news list forever for your desk you could carry on and on and on because people are always going to be searching for things it's up to you to realize where to stop and where to switch off because yeah, I'd be on my commute home after work after a really, really long day. And I'd be like, oh, my God, what about this? What about that? And all oh, this, this looks like it's trending. So, yeah, it was n- a never ending list. And that's really way more breaking news, you know, related than I had thought. Yeah, we were really hot on the breaking stuff, actually. And on SEO desks that I freelanced on, you would have to have someone keeping an eye on the like um, breaking news Slack channel for the publication stuff just you know so that um we would be on results really quickly um and you know trying to find extra angles to break out from wow that sounds high demand (laughs) it was i'm not doing that anymore (laughs) yeah good experience though (laughs) yeah how long how long i i did that for i was basic well i was at the mirror for five months and I freelanced on and off for Metro and Evening Standards SEO desk for like a year. Um, yeah, so, yeah. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, an internet time, I guess. It is. I yeah. Like... It's like, it feels yeah. really weird to not be in it now sometimes because I'll see a breaking story and I'll be like, oh my God, I need to tell it. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> 
It's not your world anymore. <laughs> um, it changed you forever. Uh, it really did. It really did. <laughs> All right. Well, I think unless Serena, was there anything else that you really wanted to cover in regards to subject lines that we just overlooked? I think I think we covered it all really I do too um before we go I a wanted to thank you so much for coming on I'm so glad Hannah was able to connect us with you um it's really nice to meet you and I've personally benefited from your subject line tips so thank you thank you thank you you don't know how much that means because sometimes I'll put these articles out and I'll be like oh god I hope I helped like one person so (laughs) oh absolutely no no this is no you did good (laughs) we always love to try to end the show with a shout out Mm -hmm. and you know pay it forward is there anyone in the industry that you would like to give a shout out to it's really really hard to narrow this down because there are just so many lovely people in the industry um obviously you've already had hannah smith on so i will not mention her she would be like number one um but i would then say god areej abu ali She's just a wonderful, like, joy of the industry. She has done so much for, like, the SEO industry as a whole. She's done so much for everyone, like, and in so many different ways. I worked with her at Verve Search. She's the founder of Women in Tech SEO, by the way. Um, but yeah, Oh, yeah. She, yeah, she's incredible. And when I worked with her at Verve, she was um, doing tech SEO there sometimes because I was really fascinated by keyword research and you know I'd be like oh can you tell me this can you explain this and she'd always always be happy to help and nothing's changed like she'll just give so much advice even if you're like doing a talk or something she's calmed me down massively and you know given me tips and stuff she's just so good at so many different things um mainly obviously SEO but just being a, a lovely human being in general definitely know who it is and that's a really fantastic shout out thank you thanks so much for listening to this episode of we earn media if you head over to weearnmedia.com you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online if you have any topic suggestions or just general pr questions for us or future guests email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com of course you can also find us on social media our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on twitter and instagram